who took $20 and $10 and $5. We've heard from the $20 lady who just walked in front of you, uh, turned that into $122. We heard from Kanisha, our $10 person, and this morning we're gonna hear from our $5 one-talent person. Let's hear it for Bernie Vale as she comes forward. So Bernie, you're going to use this very mic, so come up here and stand to my right and I'll shift it to you. You received the equivalent of five talents, one talent, five dollars. Now I'm hoping your story is better than the parable of the talents in the scriptures. If it weren't, I wouldn't have you up here, but who knows? Maybe she thinks that she ought to bring that parable to life. In that case, our ushers will be waiting to... Take her into outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. But I have better, I have better uh, hopes for you. So what did you do with your $5, one talent? Take it over. Let me shift this to you. So mine is probably a little disappointing compared to the, the first two. Um, but I did exactly what God put on my heart. So when we were up here and we were... Uh, Pastor Ben was distributing the money, $20, $10, and me, $5. I was immediately a little disappointed that I only got $5. <laughs> so um, just a couple of days later, two people I believe God put on my heart. But it wasn't exactly what I had in mind, so I prayed about it for the rest of the week, and those two people were still on my heart. So... Um, what I did with my $5 is I went to the dollar store, which is no longer a dollar, and <clears throat> I bought a little garden rock that said peace on it, and then I bought this fancy looking chapstick. So the, the rock, uh, the lady that I gave the rock to is a neighbor, and Frank and I moved out to Divide two years ago, and now I understand why people move out to the boondocks, because they don't want to be bothered. <laughs> <laughs> when we moved out there, um, we really weren't welcomed um, by neighbors that had been there for many years, and that felt strange to me. We always had to initiate the wave and um, conversation and there was very little of that and I think it's because people want to, oh, many people want to stay to themselves. Well there was a lady, uh, a neighbor at the very end of our road. Um, we all have some acreages so we're, we're quite a ways apart but we have three houses past our house on this road and I waved to her for two years and she would never wave back um, so I got a little disgruntled. But um, Frank was super generous, in my opinion, to grade this road. We've got a lot of, am I talking too long? No, you're good. Sorry. <laughs> I like details. So. We have a really clay-like soil out where we live. And so when it gets wet, it's just a muddy bog. And so Frank started 
grading this road for everybody, including the people past our house, just to make it better when it got really bad. Well, this neighbor never thanked him, which we didn't expect anybody to thank him, but she criticized the way he was doing it. <laughs> so that did not set well with me. <laughs> so this uh, spring, late spring, she was out there way past her house, closer to our house, and she was digging this trench in the road so the moisture would go down onto our land. And that really irritated me. So I'm on a walk, an evening walk, and she's out there doing this, and she wanted to talk all of a sudden, and I would not give her the time of day. I just walked right past her, and she knew I was mad. And that has haunted me, that encounter with her. I don't know her. I know she's not neighborly, but I stooped to that. And so she's the first person that came to my mind and that I needed to invest in her. So I didn't, um, I didn't invest the money, but I invested in people. So I buy this peace rock for her, and it looked kind of goofy, but it really didn't matter. It's not about how much we spend or how nice it is. I needed to make amends with this lady. And so I went and bought it, and I came home one night, and I said, Frank, if I don't give this to her right away, I'm going to chicken out. So I had a note card on there, and in the note, I apologized. And I told her in the note that, that I'm a Christian and that I wasn't behaving like one, and please forgive me. So I go to her house. She has a, a friend outside. They're sitting outside visiting. And I was really pretty nervous about how she was going to receive it. And she gave me a big hug and just couldn't believe that I came to her house to make amends. She acted like it wasn't a big deal that we had this little unfriendly thing. But to me, it was a huge deal. So that was the first one. And then the chapstick, um, I'm sure most of you know who Ryan is. He's not homeless, but he roams the roads of Woodland Park, and we've known him for years, not on a personal level, but who he is, and I don't know if you guys noticed, but in the summertime, he gets super, super sunburned, because he's always outside, and his, he just looks very unhealthy, so I bought this chapstick for him, well, one time I saw Ryan in um, Subway, and I really, at that time, I thought he was homeless, which he isn't. He has help. But he was sitting in Subway, and he wasn't eating anything, and so I thought he didn't have any money. So I went over to him and quietly asked him if I could buy him a sandwich. And he was not having a good day, and he was super offended by it. In fact, he scared me just a little bit by the look he gave me. Rumor has it is he is schizophrenic. I don't know if that's true or not, but I do know that something is off. So he was the other person God put on my heart. And when I drive into work in the morning, I almost always see him walking, and that's pretty early. So he gets up early, and he stays on the streets all day. So I'm 
I can't seem to find him driving to work for a few days. Well, one morning I did see him, but I had driven past him, so I hurried up and parked, and I'm running up Highway 24 on the sidewalk. I had my purse, I had the chapstick, and I yell at him, Ryan! And he turned around and looked at me, and I said, I think he was startled that I called him by his name. And I said, Ryan, I, I really worry about you in the summertime with your um, sunburn and your lips, and I want to give you this chapstick. And he said, no, I, I have Neutrogena. And I said, well, why don't you take this for a spare? And he said, no. And I said, okay. He said, put that back in your purse. I said, okay, put it back in my purse. And he shook, it, shook my hand. He said, thank you. And I said, Jesus loves you, Ryan. Um, so that was my other one. But then I had this chapstick to deal with. So... And I had another dollar, believe it or not. So I didn't know what to do with it. I'm in Colorado Springs, and I see a homeless person on a very hot day. And I went to a McDonald's up north in the Springs and bought a Coke and this chapstick. And this guy had a sign that said, God bless you. And so I get this Coke and the <laughs> chapstick. And um, I stopped and I gave it to him. I think he was a little disappointed that it wasn't money that I was giving him. But I said, God just blessed you. So I invested in people. And you know something, just real quickly. Um, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, what God really put on my heart is what, in this stage of my life, what I have the least amount of is time. But we are hungry for relationships. And with social media, it's so easy to, you know, like somebody's post or say happy birthday, but we really have gotten away from that personal relationship. And so the lesson for me has been I need to give up some of my time and figure out what's important. So it was a good thing for me. So. Amen. You might have missed your calling, Bernie. <laughs> I think you should have been a preacher. Now that was good. And Leslie and uh, Kanisha and Bernie each invested in unique ways and that's how it is for all of us we all have time we all have talents we all have treasure we all have money material possessions and God wants us to enjoy those and God wants to meet our needs with those and God wants us to invest those in people and uh, you guys have done a great job may we all do that uh, every day amen Amen. Okay. A couple, three announcements, uh, and then we'll worship the Lord together here in this place. In your uh, Sunday morning handouts, you have a connection card. We're really making an effort to update the directory here at WLC. So even if you're a regular and think that your uh, email, your mailing address, your cell number might be old, give us those and put that in the offering plate as they come uh, around or out in the offering boxes you leave. That'll really help us these days. And then on the flip side, if you're um, 
you have something that you want us to be praying about, uh, either confidentially as pastors here or uh, as a church, use the flip side for that as well. VBS, Vacation Bible School. That's coming up in hmm, two, three weeks. Uh, we want lots of kids. You have in your uh, Sunday morning handout uh, this uh, color invite card. That is not for you. That is for someone you know that has kids. So take that this week and share that with somebody. We still need a few more workers in your Sunday morning handout. Uh, go to that link provided. And if you still want to uh, volunteer and be uh, a helper in the kitchen or greet people or register kids or be a crew leader, uh, any of that would be welcome. Got two or three more weeks before we're ready to roll with that. Next Sunday, good news. You can not only come and have your soul fed, you can have your stomach fed next Sunday. Right after Sunday morning service, uh, the teens have a fundraiser raising funds for Nazarene Youth Conference, which is going to happen next summer. And you can get a meal for whatever you want to pay for it, I think, unless the Sunday morning handout says something different. Check it out, details. Stay for lunch next Sunday. We've got a special guest speaker. I'm just going to have him stand where he is. This is uh, Jerry Loring's son, Joshua Loring. Can we welcome him this morning? And he's here with his beautiful wife, Shannon, and three beautiful kids. Here we go. I'm going to test my memory. Cadence, Serenity, and Josiah. Let's give Woo! them a big round of applause. Looking forward to hearing Joshua share here in just a little bit. Glad you're here today. I want to read from Psalm 25, the first 10 verses, and then we're going to worship the Lord together. This is the Psalm of David. To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul, and you I trust, O my God. Do not let me be put to shame, nor let my enemies triumph over me. No one whose hope is in you will ever be put to shame, but they will be put to shame who are treacherous without excuse. Show me your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Guide me in your truth and teach me, for you are my God, my Savior, and my hope is in you all day long. I think I'm going to end it right there. I pray that this time today would strengthen your faith and brighten your hope and steal your resolve to live this life with him and for him. Amen? Amen. Let's stand together as Lori comes and leads us in worship. Well, good morning, everyone. Did you have a good week? Yes? Good morning. There you are. Yay. Good morning. Let's welcome the, the Lord in this morning. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you for getting everybody here this morning with smiles on their faces. Thank you for the fact that we're anticipating your spirit to come into this place and take us over, that we can set our weeks aside, that we can check everything in at the door, and that we can give all of our attention to you as we step into your throne room. We are grateful that we get to worship you in all different ways, Lord. We love you. And all God's people said, amen. Let's worship together.
Mimosa. I want to know if anybody knows this after we're done singing it. Have you guys ever sung Lift High the Name of Jesus? Yes? I see, I see two hands. Oh, it's a great song. We, we are just introducing it this week, but it's from 1870. So some, you know, it's been around for a while. Some of you guys may know it. So, um, but it's a good old tune, but it'll keep your feet moving. So just hang in there. You'll pick it right up right away. But it's, oh, the message is great. And it's so good to sing about him and know that our brothers and sisters have been singing since 1870, at least, right? That's good. So hopefully you guys will know it. We'll do it next week too, but we wanted to introduce it to you today.
awake? Yeah, there it is. <laughs> Amen. Oh, God is good. Oh, 
Let's go to Father in prayer. Lord, we are thankful for your presence. We are thankful that when we call, you come running. And that your presence is something that we can't do without. Just speaking your name, Lord. There's power in that. There's healing in that. There's life in that, as we've been singing. And we focus on those things, Lord, this morning of what your power can do in our lives. If we just pause and, and think about that, imagine how far, Lord, you can take us, you can bring us through the darkest valley. Thank you for that, Lord, that in any situation, any, any, any moment in our lives that we may be feeling less than or without strength, that you come, you can conquer, you can overcome whatever it is that we're dealing with. And I know, I don't know what all is happening here in this building lives of those that are represented here, but I'm sure there's some struggles. There's some, there's some wrestling going on right now. And Lord, I just pray that your presence is here and falls fresh on those people that need you. Please come, Lord, and we entreat your presence upon this place. Give us power to be the people that you have called us to be. Let, let these people that have been taking talents and multiplying them not just be three, but let it be the entire congregation here, Lord, that we take your talents that you've blessed us with and go out and multiply them and be your people in a world that needs to see what your love is all about. Let us be about your love. Your word says that the disciples, the, those that follow you, will, will be known by their love. And let that be true of us. Be with us this week. Let us go out and give us the strength and courage to do what it is you've called us to do. Be the people you've called us to be. We thank you for your, your spirit power that you give us. We thank you for you, Lord, your presence when we need it most. We thank you, Lord. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Let's take a moment now and um, greet one another. Turn to someone and tell them you're happy to see
to you. Thanks. Thank you so much. Appreciate that. Okay. That is a great sound. But I want to give Joshua plenty of time to speak. I think we're going to have to put out more chairs starting next week. Eh? That's a good problem. That's a good problem. Got a little uh, video that we're going to queue up. Joshua works with Samaritan's Purse. Maybe he could say part-time. He'll explain more of that in a few minutes. But uh, just to give you a little introduction to Samaritan's Purse and their recent work in Ukraine, check this out as uh, Joshua makes his way uh, up to the platform. Ministries is the church in action, an outflow of the Church of the Nazarene. Actually, that's the one for later. <laughs> Let's go to the other shorter one. There you go. Hi, my name is Ivan with Samaritan's Purse outside of Kiev, Ukraine, in villages that have been totally destroyed in the conflict that is happening in our country. These villages suffered a lot of damage and people have a lot of needs right now. Through the local churches, Samaritan's Purse provide hospitals with medical supplies and families with food they really need right now. Thank you for prayers for us here in Ukraine. You are making a big difference in life of Ukrainian people. Well, good morning. Thank you so much. It was an honor to be here with you. I feel like I've already been at church. I mean, this has been a huge blessing to come and worship with you this morning. Greetings from the church, the brothers and sisters in Moldova and Ukraine. The church is strong there. I know some of you have ties and friends there, and the church is doing well and uh, being the church. So greetings from them. As Pastor Ben said, I am Joshua Loring. I work part-time with Samaritan's Purse. I'm on the Disaster. Everybody know who Samaritan's Purse is? Everybody? How many of you have packed a shoebox for Operation Christmas Child? Yes. Yeah, that ministry alone opens many doors for us. You guys are um, one of our partners with doing that, and we have partners all around the world that are, have already gone before. So when we show up as a disaster, they know who Samaritan's Purse is because of OCC usually, and we partner with churches and uh, believers there to help get aid to people and to share the gospel. Um, I want to give you a, a little brief uh, testimony of where I came from and how I got started in disaster relief. But before I do, if you guys don't mind, I'd just like to open in prayer. God, this morning, thank you for this church. Thank you for the prayers they've given for the ministry in Ukraine and uh, for my family and myself as I serve there. And just for all the work that's being done in your glory and honor. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart, Lord, be pleasing unto you. And Lord, what you would like to say this morning, may that go out. May your Holy Spirit. Minister to hearts this morning, in Jesus' name, amen. So, I got saved in a Nazarene church, <laughs> or a Nazarene camp, eight years old, California, got saved, um, had some issues later on in life, struggled with 10 years of abusing drugs and alcohol, finally uh, the Lord got a hold of my life again, 
I moved to Maryland, uh, where my dad was living at the time, and we attended a Nazarene church there, and they welcomed me in. They discipled me. I was there in 98, and uh, started going on some of these work and witness trips. Anybody been on work and witness? Yeah. Awesome. It will change your life. Sorry. Um, my watch is doing weird things. Um, it will definitely change your life. And it changed my life to the point where one morning I showed up in 1999, about this time in around July, and told the pastor, I said, I think, I think the Lord might be calling me to do foreign mission work. He said, that's great. We're going to pray for you. And he goes up to do the service. And first thing he says is, everybody, Joshua's called to foreign missions. He's going to be a missionary. <laughs> I'm like, maybe a little too fast for me. But it wasn't too fast for the Lord. Three months later, I was introduced to Bob Prescott, who was the Nazarene Compassionate Ministries president at the time. And he, I went, someone said, go talk to him about missions. So I go up and I say, hey, I'm Joshua Loring. I'd like to talk to you about missions. He said, do you have a passport? Basically is what he said. Do you have a passport? Do you have your shots? And can you leave in three weeks? And I'm like, wait a minute. Let's just, I just want to talk to you about missions. And three weeks later, he had me on a team of eight in uh, Kosovo, rebuilding homes after that war. How many of you remember the war, the Serbian-Albanian war? Yeah, we were rebuilding homes amongst Albanian Muslims. Um, who had been attacked and tried to push out of the Kosovo region. And you can actually read about some of that story, and I think it's a 2001, one of your Nazarene missions books, has a chapter in there about that. But we ended up starting a church, a young man as an Albanian who got saved as a refugee, Emir Gashi. He, uh, he would translate our Bible studies on Saturdays. He spoke one Saturday and shared, I mean, we'd been speaking for months. Nobody's receiving the gospel. Nobody's accepting Christ. And he's 16 shares one message based on this song by Crystal Lewis. I remember it so well. Jesus get, or people get ready. Jesus is coming. Soon we'll be going home. Three kids give their lives to the Lord. Three young men. Uh, one had never even been there before. One of them had become his worship pastor. His dad said he would not be a pastor. His dad was Muslim. He appreciated all the work we did on his home, but he was not going to let his son become a pastor. He's going to become an engineer. So Emir goes to school in the capital of Pristina and becomes, you know, studying for an engineer. But he needed a place to worship, so he plants a church who he's, where he's still pastoring to this day. He's got a beautiful American wife from uh, Missouri, and they've got two sons. And uh, Salim, who got saved when he first spoke, uh, led worship for him for a while. I'm not sure if he's still leading worship or not, but um, he's also the president of the Evangelical Association of Kosovo. And uh, just an amazing young man. He doesn't look like he's aged a bit. <laughs> when I look at him on Facebook and stuff and see what they're doing, and they've celebrated 22 years now as a church. So there's two Nazarene churches that were planted there because of uh, you guys, Nazarene Passion Ministry, sending uh, some volunteers. We were volunteers to go and rebuild homes for a year. So God is good. It's, it's neat to look back and see some seeds that have been planted and how they've grown and how they've been used. So that's, that's my uh, introduction to missions. And in 1999, I told the Lord, and I'd read... This scripture from Romans 12, 1 and 2, it says, I'm going to read from the New Living Translation. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a person, a new person, by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you which is good and pleasing and perfect. And I think that has a lot to do with that whole process of sanctification. And at that time, I told the Lord, 
God, I will go anywhere you want me to go. You, you make a way and I'll go there. Did not know what I was committing to at that time. And that seemed like a big deal to say when I was single and had nothing to really worry about. And now I've got a wife and three kids and a business. And um, it, it's, it, I remember when the Lord was sending me to the Bahamas in 2019, my first appointment with Smyrna's Purse on the DART staff, which is Disaster Assistance Response Team. And I felt the Lord say, do you still trust me? Do you still think I can do this? And um, it was tough. It was hard leave my kids and my wife, but my wife is very supportive, my kids are very supportive, and um, yeah, it's, it's been amazing. Nine deployments later, three years, um, I've seen a lot of different disasters, but God is faithful, God is, God is good to us, and um, that's where the Lord is, has shown that I have special ability, an ability to be used by Him. I, one, I have to depend on Him. You get to these places, you don't know who you're dealing with, what you're dealing with. Every, every situation is different. And we trust in the Lord, and we thank you for your prayers. I know many of you have told me again and again, you prayed for us while we were there. And, um, sorry. and it's just been a blessing. We, I, very little would get done without the prayers of the saints. And, uh, you know, some of us are called to go, some of us are called to pray. But we appreciate your guys' prayers and sending us um, out there to do this work. Um, so I'm going to go back to the Operation Christmas Child. I was in Beirut, and the, the young man you saw speaking there was probably Ukrainian. I don't know for sure. We often hire nationals. One, we don't know the language when we get there, so we need translators. Two, we don't know everything that's around that's available and how to get things. So logistically, we'll hire nationals. And eventually, our job is to train a national to do our job. So we go home. And they're doing our job. And we want to employ the nationals to, to serve their people. And generally it's Christians. Sometimes we, we employ non-Christians. Depends on what the need is. Um, but Samaritan's Purse is a Christian organization that is not an equal opportunity employer. We do hire Christians. You must be Christian to work for Samaritan's Purse. And they'll send us around the world. And the shortest notice I've had to leave on, they've called me at 8 o'clock in the morning and asked me to be on a plane by noon. Can you do that? Unfortunately, my wife is like, you're good, go, whatever you need to do, we'll hold down the fort. So it's, uh, it's a huge blessing to have a family that supports me in this. Not everybody has the ability to do that, and my extended family as well makes it possible for me to leave at short notice. Um, yeah, so DART, um, there's a roster of maybe 3,000 people right now that, that can be called on to go and serve at a moment's notice. And it, they, there's a full team at headquarters that keeps an eye on the disasters around the world that are taking place or what may come up if we anticipate things and we try to anticipate what's going to be needed. And then we go and we go and serve. One of the main things we do, and we've done in, we're doing in Ukraine, uh, is we'll send a field hospital. And they'll go and set up these army-type hospitals, except for the white. They don't look military. We don't want them to look military deliberately because we don't want them to be a target, right? So we'll set up these hospitals, and they will, they'll just treat people. And, and they set up, I think they set up two. One's a tier two, so it had like two operating rooms where they could do full operations in, uh, in Ukraine. And then it has, um, sometimes you'll have inpatient, sometimes you only have outpatient. I think they had inpatient and outpatient, plus they had several clinics throughout the country spread out that train stations where people are coming in in Ukraine, and they're riding on these trains. Some of these people have been standing for 10 hours just riding, because they're so packed, there's no room to sit, everybody's trying to get in there, they're trying to get everybody in that they can, they may have their bags with them, 
and they're fatigued, they're exhausted, they're stressed, they're dehydrated, and they come off these trains, and we'll have a clinic there that can just kind of help revive them, help them get some rest, help them make sure they're, they're doing okay physically, and try to get them on their way out, right? Another pro uh, program that we do, a part that I was on, is non-food item uh, distribution. So these people have left their homes, they've left everything. Some of them may, may never go back to their homes. A lot of that territory has been, <coughs> been claimed by Russia, so they probably won't be returning. And they didn't leave with a whole lot of stuff. So we'll supply them with hygiene items, shampoo, toilet paper, um, razors, um, baby wipes, baby diapers, uh, different, different needs that they may have, hand sanitizers. At the time, COVID was still an issue. We were handing out masks as well. Um, and so there's different needs that they're going to need, some hairbrushes, socks, soap, laundry detergent. And no one really expected this to last this long. And what a lot of people were doing is they were fleeing. They were going to the border on a train, or they were getting their, a ride there from a taxi, or they, someone dropped them off there, but they walked across the border. And the church saw all these people coming across. And the church in Moldova and the churches in Ukraine, they started picking people up and bringing them. And, and through that network of churches, they would call a pastor, like, hey, I've picked up six people. Where can I take them to stay? And this, someone, one church would say, hey, I've got room for six. We can take six here. Or they can take another five over there, and they can take till churches were maxed out. Your sanctuary would turn into a big, a big uh, sleeping area, cots, beds folded out. And we, we supplied bedding kits um, as well, where they get a mattress, a pillow, sheets, mattress cover, blankets, pillowcases, and stuff like that as well. Another need, because you can't really carry your mattress and everything with you when you're trying to flee from home. And the church responded, responded amazingly. Problem is, I mean, how many of us can handle 190 people living in our church for two weeks, two months, three months? It's, it's, a, lot of, uh, it's a lot of work, and it's a lot of challenge. And so we come along with them. We also have the, the food program. We work with World Food Program oftentimes and develop and getting food. And there's a whole beautiful, um, what do I call it, um, this layout of how many calories a person needs per day and how much that has to be protein, and how much that has to be carbohydrates, and how much that needs to be vegetables, and just all the nutrition factors of what they need, and they figure that out for daily, then they figure out how much they need for 21 days, and then we go purchase food by the tons, hundreds of metric tons a week, um, getting food out and distributing it through churches, and the churches that have, had people there, and then some of the churches got so full, like, we can't take any more people, and congregation members said, I can take a family, I'll take a family, and so there weren't, there weren't, uh, camps there. It was everybody just got taken in by the church. Uh, there were a few community centers that were done by the government and just amazing things. But I think about, think about the wilderness and the, the Israelites wandering in the desert for 40 years. I'm like, God, how did you feed so many people? It takes so much food. And uh, you're just out there trying to help, trying to offset some of the burden for the church that was there. So that's a lot of what we do. And um, that's where a lot of that money goes to is food right now it's a big need is what they need is food so food program is a huge one i'll often deploy and who am i i'm i'm a, a guy that can do a little bit of building and fix a few things i don't i don't have a lot of great skills but god has taken me and developed me over the years i remember in kosovo at 23 i was there for three months under a, a wonderful man named dan Dillon. he taught me a lot of stuff and then the last nine months they're like okay dan's got to go home you need to lead the teams <laughs> 23 years old, who am I to lead teams in construction? And it, it caused me to depend on the Lord, and we had working witness teams. We had seven teams come in that nine months to rebuild homes. 
and the Lord would send somebody on every team that knew what I needed to know for that project, and I've just learned to just trust God. I'm like, yeah, send me. I don't have a clue what I'm doing, but I know God will show up, and uh, he'll use me despite myself, and um, it's, it's awesome. God is faithful, and God, is, God remains faithful. Um, where am I at on time-wise? Okay. <laughs> so, um, I remember I was talking about the Operation Christmas Child, and I was in Beirut, and we had hired 26 young people. Uh, most of them were from the church, and they were out doing our distributions, and they would, do, they would do assessments. Hey, did you, how many remember the explosion in Beirut? That's what I'm talking about. The explosion happened. It was the fourth largest non-nuclear explosion in the history of the world. Decimated their city. Took out four hospitals immediately. Massive destruction. Um, amazing more people didn't die. But I'm there, and we got these young people, and they're excited for Christ. And, I mean, the early church, Franklin was there. He read, read Franklin's book. He was there in the early days in the 70s when they had the Civil War, and they're smuggling food out to church parishioners and trying to get food to these people. And that was under Sammy Dogger. And then Milad's there with the Iraqi refugees, and all these came in, and they dealt with them. And then the Syrian refugees, there were still hundred or 1.5 million Syrian refugees in that area or in that country when we were there. And Milad Dagger was ministering to them, and they were doing outreaches to all these refugees. And God kept bringing amazing stories from the Syrian refugees. We had several women tell us, we know why God allowed this to happen in our country, so we could come here and hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. So many gave their lives to Christ. It is an impressive work going on there. And these youth would go out, they'd assess them, they'd find out what their needs were, and we'd give them a shelter kit. And that's what I generally do, shelter, tarping roofs removing uh, debris from houses that, so people can get back in their homes and have shelter and live safely, feel secure in their home again. And um, these kids, several of them said, I remember receiving an operation or an OCC shoebox um, when I was 10 or I was 11 and it impacted my life. So those of you who have sent boxes, they touch lives and they open tons of doors for us. It is such a blessing. So every one of those you do touches a life and... Um, it helps us in the future work. It plants seeds, and we'll come in and sow right behind that and water, and God gives the increase. So just a huge blessing. Keep doing that. It does, I don't know how many millions they're sending out a year, but it's incredible. But, um, yeah, one time it was four hours. They called me at 8 a.m. and said, hey, can you be on a plane at noon? And I'm in the springs. I'm like, I can go home, get my bags, get back. Yeah, I can do noon. That's four hours, plenty of time. I called my wife. I said, I'm, I'm heading home, and uh, I'm, I'm going to Honduras. They're getting hit with a hurricane. Hurricane Etta had hit, and my wife's like, uh, okay, do you need to meet you? I said, no, no, I'm going to come home, change my clothes, and, and grab my bags and go. My bags are always packed. I have clothes there just for my deployments. I have two suitcases. One's a carry-on, and one's a, one that I'll check, and if I check it and lose it, it's not anything important. All my clothes are in my carry-on, and uh, I just tell her, like, grab my bags. We'll be ready to go, get everything go down to the airport, get on. We go down to Honduras. We arrive there. We set up a hospital. And that's my main deployment with the hospital is help them set up. And we set it up. took us three days after we cleared the field. I mean, grass was this tall. We had to mow it down. They came in and mowed it, and they bug sprayed it and did all kinds of stuff. We still found tarantulas, this big running all over the place, scorpions running everywhere. And uh, it was just, just amazing. But it was a hurricane, four hurricane that came through there, caused major flooding, didn't have a lot of wind damage. And then on the fourth day, we, we opened up the hospital for half the day, and then we tore everything down, strapped it to the ground, 
for Hurricane Iota that came through right behind it. Another Category 4 came right behind us and hit that same area. Major flooding, major uh, mudslides, roads washed out. You couldn't get to a lot of the people. And Samaritan's person will get our helicopter there. And they flew our helicopter down and um, jumped it across all the islands down to Honduras rather than tear it down and fly it in a plane. It was going to be faster and got it there. And we can get aid to these places where the roads are no longer viable, the rivers are impassable, and um, they just, a lot of resources to do a lot of work. The uh, DC-8 carries 31 of us, 31 or 32 of us, in the back end of it. In the front end of it, it holds, I don't know, 40 metric tons of of supplies and materials, so we never go empty-handed. We come in the name of Jesus. It says right on the plane, you land in Beirut, it says serving in Jesus' name. There's, there's no denying who we come, why we come. Um, we come out there with this plane, and we don't come in empty-handed. We come ready to help. We have an idea of what the needs are going to be, and we bring that. And then the plane leaves, goes back, loads up again, comes back. Some of these hospitals take three trips to get all the, all the components there and to set them up. So it is a big operation, and we have doctors and um, nurses pediatricians, uh, physical therapists, we have um, uh, physician's assistants, all the people you can think of, paramedics come, EMTs, I'm an EMT, I've not served as an EMT with Samaritan's Purse, but um, could become a need at some point, and we, we show up, and all these people, that they get paid, but it's very minimal, and to, to know this doctor working next to me, this surgeon, he's he's getting the same pay that I am, pounding nails and and setting up tents, and they just all come with a servant's heart and a servant's attitude, and gave me a whole new perspective of what a servant is and serving. A lot of COVID responses. We had COVID response to Italy. We had a COVID response to New York, right in Central Park. We had one in North Carolina. We had one in California, and set up these hospitals in a lot of different places just to uh, help offset the the overflow of so many people. The over overextending the the resources that they had at those hospitals, and that's what we do. We get uh, invites from countries. Some countries will say, "Hey, I've, we've had this disaster. We are open to receiving aid. You can come." Sometimes we just have to petition them. Hey, we've heard this has happened. Could we be assistance? We have to be invited. We don't go uninvited. The country has to allow us in, and there's a lot of interesting stuff with that. And I don't even know all the logistics for getting us all there and getting all this material there. Did you know you can't just fly a plane in with a bunch of stuff on it? They want to charge you import tax and stuff. <laughs> there's a whole lot of stuff you just don't think about. But there's people that work through all that and get us permissions to land there. We flew off for Honduras, and they said, well, we don't have permission to land yet, but we figure we're going to get it before we get there. And I'm like, okay, sure. Do we have enough fuel just in case they say no to turn around and come back? Um, but, yeah, it's, it's amazing the amount of work and the amount of people that go into doing this kind of work and this kind of ministry. And it's a blessing. What I found in Kosovo, even in the most difficult, horrible place of what happened there, the atrocities that took place, God comes and shows up with love. It's like the cross. It's, it's a death sentence. It's a, it's a place where people were crucified. It is a form of capital punishment. And God takes that thing that seems so ugly and turns it into a sign of love. And when you go to these places, these people's hearts, they're broken. They're experiencing the worst time of their lives. But their hearts are open, and the Holy Spirit goes in and ministers, and he just reaches out and touches in that time, and people are sensitive. People are open. You'll find, they're like one, they're like, why are you here helping us? And then as soon as they ask that question, it's like, well, let me tell you, 
because my life was a disaster. And God came in, and Jesus came from heaven, gave up his throne in heaven, came to earth, and gave his life that I could have another chance. And not only another chance, but eternal life. In our lives, that's what they are. They're an offering to God of, uh, of worship. And maybe he's called you to give and serve in other ways. But this is, this is what God's been doing through my life and what God continues to do through Samaritan's Purse. And it seems strange when everybody's trying to leave a country to be going towards that country and doing work. But what do we have to fear, right? Christ has given us all. We have eternity ahead of us. And who better to go, right? Those who are prepared to meet the Lord and Savior. Yeah, they're difficult areas, but it's where Christ wants to go. And Christ lives in us, right? The Lord Jesus lives in us, and he wants to go places. And sometimes I have to get up and say, Lord, where do you want to go today? It's not about me. What is your plan today? Who do you want to talk to? What do you want to say today? Whose life are you looking to touch? Because God wants to touch lives, and he takes ordinary people like me, and he'll do extraordinary things. So it's, uh, it's a blessing. And just the prayers you guys have given for us, I shared with Lori earlier. I was out in the community just doing something, uh, putting in an application, and the lady says, are you related to Jerry and Julie? And I'm like, should I say yes? <laughs> and uh, I said, yeah, 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 that's my dad and stepmom. And, and uh, she goes, oh, we've been praying for you. I was out in the community. I was like, now I know you've been praying. When you recognize my name off a piece of paper. So, <clears throat> sorry. Just really blessed me. God is good. And oftentimes I'll go off and serve. We'll go and do fire response. Uh, I don't know if any of you have been part of North American Ministries. That's a branch of Samaritan's Purse where they only work in the U.S. usually. They did go to the Bahamas and a few other islands. Um, but it's mostly volunteer, probably like I don't know, over 90% volunteers, they come and help with flooding and fires and hurricanes and tornadoes and earthquakes. And, um, and so I've served with them a few times. forgot where I was going with that. Well, it's a great ministry if you just want to do something local. They were here for the Waldo Canyon fire, and we got to sift ashes. And not long after that, my father-in-law experienced a fire at one of his businesses. So we're like, oh, yeah, we know how to deal with that, and we can deal with that. <laughs> And then we go off to Minot, North Dakota, and we're dealing with some flooding stuff and come back, and one of the buildings flooded out. It's like, oh, no problem. We can deal with that. We, we understand that now. They'll train you. They'll teach you what you need to know. They'll give you the tools, amazing equipment to just show up and work with, and you don't even really have to know much. They'll just take your willingness to come and serve. Um, serve them in Nashville, Tennessee, rebuilding homes after a flood there. Just neat ministries. And then Operation Heal Our Patriots is another ministry that they do. I don't know if you've heard of it. It's kind of like Wounded Warriors, but with a Christian emphasis. And it's up in Alaska, and they have a lodge up there. And they bring their spouse in the military, in the, and the, the one who served and maybe got hurt or whatever. They take them up there, and they do excursions. They go fishing. They go hiking. And then they minister to them and share the gospel with them, help them deal with the PTSD and the struggles that they're going through, and just honoring our heroes for what they've done. There are so many branches. There's the Child Heart Project that they do where they'll bring a young child from a third world country that can't get heart surgery, can't, can't get the aid that they need there. They'll fly them and a parent, maybe both parents, to the U.S. Somebody will um, be their sponsor, uh, house them at their house, help them get back and forth to their appointments, and they'll do this heart operation on these children. And uh, 
and just make a, a difference in the life of a child that would never receive that kind of aid in their own country. And, um, yeah, work strongly close with World Medical Mission as well. It's a very, very powerful ministry. We appreciate your prayers and support, and uh, just thank you for thinking of us. And I want to invite Pastor Ben back up. realizing we've got a few connections. Bob Prescott, a good friend of mine and mission president back in our district in Maryland. There's another connection. And I ran into a few of those tarantulas in Honduras myself and learned something unique about them. If you chop them in half, they keep moving. That will freak you out. In uh, music, often in a worship song, we'll put a tag on. This is the tag for the message, just about five minutes. But I want to say a thing or two. Thank God for the church and Christian ministries around the world and through the ages. We've heard about one today, Samaritan's Purse. We partner with them at Christmas time. I think Cindy Rumsey already has our boxes ordered for that, uh, that effort. I thought about World Vision, a Christian humanitarian uh, ministry. 3.5 million children sponsored every year just through that one organization, Catholic Charities. And then our own Nazarene Compassionate Ministries. I think I'll tell you more about them next week. Uh, and save all those slides, Kylie. Thank you for being on the ball with that. But uh, you'll see a video later on. But where does all that come from? Here's the question I want to ask in a tag to this message. All that uh, rebuilding, restoring, healing ministry through the ages and around the world, through so many churches and through so many Christian organizations. Where does all that come from? What's that inspired by, empowered by, commissioned by? Here's the answer. Jesus. That one solitary life lived for a few years here in this world 2,000 years ago. Jesus and Jesus' compassion. Kylie, you can go to that uh, Matthew 9 passage, would you? At the end of chapter 9 of Matthew's gospel, there's a summary of Jesus' ministry. Here it is. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Here's a powerful truth. We, the church, both individually in our own personal lives every day and collectively in organized ways, continue the ministry of Jesus. I love how Luke begins the book of Acts, the record of the early church. He writes this, In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach. Who will finish what Jesus began? That's us. We continue Jesus' ministry of proclaiming the good news of the gospel, of teaching the truth of God for life in this world, and healing physically, emotionally, relationally, perhaps nationally, 
and all of that with compassion. The Greek word tells us that compassion comes from deep in our hearts. Sympathy, concern, pity for those who are suffering. And friends, the needs today, the opportunities today, the harvest is as plentiful as it was when Jesus walked the earth. Amen? That uh, Matthew 9 passage always challenges me. Jesus looked at the crowds and had compassion on them. And I have to ask myself, how do I look at the crowds? How do I look at people? I've talked to a few locals here in Woodland Park, and I know how locals generally feel about uh, tourists. And people that have moved here from places like California and Texas, maybe Maryland. And I know the traffic and the Walmart and the retail places that have come into town and the development. Actually, Gaithersburg, Maryland was a little farming town outside of D.C., way outside of D.C. decades ago, a nice little town. And it's just been swallowed up, 86,000 people in Gaithersburg alone. And I know how the locals feel about that. I know. But how do we look at the crowds? There are folks that we see and say, man, they need to get their act together. Instead of hanging on to a God bless you sign, uh, anything helps, they need to get a job. And maybe some of them do. And I think our helping needs to actually help. One of my best reads ever was when helping hurts. There's a way that we can help that enables poor behavior, but but how would Jesus look at those folks? Thought about Jesus. He got frustrated at times. If you read the Gospels, it's got to be angry maybe, sad a lot. But he never stopped loving, never stopped believing, trusting, hoping, enduring. How do we look at the crowds? There is the sheer volume of need and number of people who need. And sometimes I get overwhelmed by that. And it's easy to get so overwhelmed by the volume of need that we just end up doing nothing. When in reality, we are all called to do something. Think about World Vision. It started with one man who helped one girl in the 50s. And today, they're sponsoring 3.5 million children every year. What kind of movement, what kind of uh, fruit, ripple effect might happen? when each of us just does something. Let's ask God for the compassion of Jesus. Let's let's ask God for workers in his harvest field. Let's be one of those workers. We want to be committed to compassionate ministry around the world. And to do that, we need to think globally, pray, give. Sometimes we'll go. But we need to Act locally. Because the reality is, as we've said a couple of times before in these past three months, we go every day. We see Ryan, that neighbor down the street who's a grump. We run into people every day that need Jesus. We're on mission 
24-7, aren't we, Joshua? Here uh, very soon at WLC, we'll be prayerfully considering how we can better serve our community. Let's pray for God's guidance and for the Spirit of Christ to fill us so that when we see the crowds, we're not just seeing a long line we've got to wait in or people cramping our style in this nice mountain town. But we see people for whom Christ died, people that God so loved that he sent his only son into this hurting world so that whoever believes should not perish but have everlasting life and a better life right now. Amen? Amen. Joshua, thank you so much. Between your uh, talk and Bernie's, I've gone away challenged, inspired, and encouraged today. Haven't you? Praise be to his name. Good. We're going to take the uh, morning tithes and offerings. You thought I forgot that, didn't you? Oh, I haven't. In just a moment... On your seats are a little offering envelopes. Uh, Joshua said, I do not want a love offering, but I'm not going to listen to him. If you'd like to give something to him, uh, if you're making out a check, just make that directly to him or cash. Put it in that little offering envelope. Ask your neighbor. They may be sitting on it. Just have them get up real quick, and you'll get that. And you can throw that in the offering along with uh, the rest today. And also those connection cards, if you've got any new information for us or prayer requests, you can put those in the offering plate as well. I'm going to pray and then uh, we're going to roll that video, which will give you a little glimpse of Nazarene Compassionate Ministries, just one of the many Christian ministries around the world making a difference in Jesus' name uh, today. God, thank you so much, not only for your word but your word lived out. I thank you for Bernie and Kanisha and Leslie, for Joshua and Shannon and their family, for all the others here in this space today that when they walk out these doors, they'll get right back out there on mission. Loving neighbor, meeting needs, giving and going and praying. And I pray that all of that would bear fruit. Lord, not only in these days, but for eternity. Thank you for all that you've given us and blessed us with, the time, the talent, the treasure. And Lord, we give back to you just a portion of that in thanksgiving and pray that you'd multiply it for your use. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Our ushers are going to come and wait on you at this time, and let's uh, find out a little bit about the Nazarene Compassionate Ministries as we do, and then... Lori's going to introduce us to another new song. It's beautiful and it'll be a great ending for this service today. Nazarene Compassionate Ministries is the church in action. An outflow of the Church of the Nazarene, we mobilize local congregations to live out Christ's call to care for the least of these. Through church-led community development and emergency relief work, NCM uses a holistic ministry model that proclaims and demonstrates the gospel of Jesus. The result? Lives and communities transformed. Who is NCM? NCM is you. Whenever you offer hope to the vulnerable, food or water to the hungry or thirsty, whenever you provide care or hospitality, 
whenever you meet the need of someone in crisis or provide safety for someone in danger. Whenever you build relationships with those living in the margins of society, you partner with us in tangibly expressing the love of Jesus. NCM is church-led because we believe in local congregations to be the hands and feet of Jesus Christ, building relationships that will live beyond particular projects. There are spiritual, relational, and systemic causes for poverty. NCM addresses the complex roots of the issue so that we can work towards physical, relational, and spiritual wholeness for each individual and their communities. At NCM, we work to enable children to become the people God made them to be by surrounding them with care. We address needs such as education and nutrition while also providing relationship and spiritual nurturing, all while making sure to address their larger context, the condition of the child's family and community. We are all made in God's image, and so each member of a community has dignity, value, and the capacity to bring about change. NCM equips churches to walk alongside individuals in developing their own communities and addressing their own complex challenges. Our hope is transformation through Christ for individuals and communities. We know that the work of God is the cornerstone of every life that is changed and every community transformed. Things can change in an instant. Disaster, disease, and scarcity can be hard to predict. For this reason, it is imperative that local churches are equipped to act fast when urgent needs arise. The Greater Compassion Fund helps NCM and local congregations in doing just that. Because of the Greater Compassion Fund, hungry families are being fed, sick people are experiencing healing, children are being given dignity, the persecuted are finding safety, clean water is decreasing the spread of disease, and people are seeing the love of Christ. Your partnership makes this all possible. To bring compassion into action, join us today at ncm.org.
Let's stand together. We like that Max Lucado quote around here. The promises of God are like pine trees in the Rocky Mountain of Scripture. Abundant, unbending, and perennial. Thought about that promise of Jesus. Some of the last words in Matthew 28. I'll be with you even to the end of the age. But that's tied to that commission to go into all the world. Make disciples. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and Son and Holy Spirit and teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. I send you to go again today to be Christ's hands and feet in this world that you love so much. May God bless you as you go and do just that. Thanks for being here today. God bless. You're dismissed.
so afraid to move I cross the line I'm stepping out so come